Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Paul Reitzer, author of Marketing Artificial Intelligence, AI, Marketing, and the Future of Business, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named as one of the top marketing podcasts by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable on this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message that you're a listener, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. This episode is sponsored by Marketing Architects, creators of the all-inclusive TV advertising concept that's so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. I'll tell you more and how to get a free copy of the book in a few minutes. Now, let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome back Paul Reitzer to talk about the book he's co-authored with Mike Caput, Marketing Artificial Intelligence, AI Marketing and the Future of Business, published by Matt Holt. Paul Reitzer is founder and CEO of Marketing AI Institute and PR 2020, author of the Marketing Performance Blueprint and the Marketing Agency Blueprint, both published by Wiley, and creator of the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Conference. As a speaker, Paul is focused on making AI approachable and actionable for marketers and business leaders. A graduate of Ohio University's E.W. Scripps School of Journalism, Paul has consulted for hundreds of organizations from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And interesting facts, Paul's agency was HubSpot's very first partner agency in 2007, and his office in Cleveland looks out on the Cleveland Guardians baseball stadium. Paul, congratulations on marketing artificial intelligence, and welcome back to the Marketing Book Podcast. I I am so grateful to be back. As I texted you, I believe, the reason I wrote this book was so I could be back on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I know I, I appreciate you saying that. And what listener, what he really means is he wants to get to you. He's, he's using me and people use me all the time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and you know what else he wants? He wants to hear from listeners. Like all these guests, they just get the biggest kick out of hearing from people who have heard them on uh, the Marketing Book Podcast. So I was in Cleveland recently, as you know, and we weren't able to get together, but I did go by the stadium and I was happy to see the PR 2020 sign on your building uh, adjacent to the stadium. So uh, that's great. And you last joined us for episode 20 of the Marketing Book Podcast back in 2015. And for that, I thank you. And this will be episode 392. So For those math people listening, playing the home game, that means that I should plan on you coming back every 372 episodes. (laughs) So I've already marked my calendar for August 31st, 2029, 
when, with any luck, you will be returning for episode 764. I, I don't know, didn't know that I'd still be podcasting then, but you've just given me a life goal. So I appreciate that. So listeners, go ahead and mark your calendar for uh, August 31st. Uh, 2029. So I do appreciate you sending me the autograph copy of the book. And you probably collect uh, Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Guardians uh, autograph sports memorabilia. I collect autograph sales and marketing books. Don't judge. Okay. <laughs> and he writes, Douglas, I only wrote this book to get back on the marketing book podcast. And then he writes, seriously, though, I'm grateful for your support and friendship through the years. And I really uh, appreciate that, Paul. And then with an asterisk down at the bottom, he wrote, no AI was used in the writing of this note. So, you know, right off the bat, you spoke to uh, what my concerns are uh, about this whole AI thing. <clears throat> but, Paul, actually, I have used artificial intelligence to prepare for this interview. Now, you, you, you don't know this, but I've actually developed uh, an AI-powered podcast assistant, and I'm still working out some of the bugs here. So I'm, this is the first time I've, I've introduced it, so bear with me. But what I did was I had it go back, you know, machine learning. I had to go back and listen to every episode of this podcast. And then also go out and find everything it could about you. And, and then it generates questions, you know, for the guests to help me out. And then it also makes real-time suggestions for the host on how to improve the uh, audience, uh, you know, listening experience. So Anyway, let, let me let me see if I can turn it on here and, and show you what it does because I'm really pretty I'm pretty proud of it. Okay, so you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Paul, how is the weather in Cleveland today? It is hot and muggy. Hot and muggy. Okay. Wow. Okay. Great. So that's that's a pretty good question. All right. So you know we mentioned the Browns. Let's see here. Paul, is it true that you might be the backup quarterback this year for the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> we we might need one. Yeah. Because, you know, when I was leaving Cleveland, I saw a Deshaun Watson uh, T-shirt at the uh, the store at the, the airport. And then Baker Mayfield, he may, you know, by the time this podcast publishes, he may be, uh, you know, moving on. So something to think about, Paul. You probably got a very busy – it's a good thing you got the book written because it's going to be a very busy – it might be a very busy fall for you. <laughs> but uh, let's see. I think she's got some other questions. Paul, by appearing on this podcast, are you concerned people will question your judgment? <laughs> That's that's interesting because apparently a lot of podcast guests have have have, have talked about that and uh, but this this artificial intelligence stuff it's really good at you know finding out about the guests. Paul, did anyone ever tell you that you are a very good looking man? <laughs> this artificial intelligence is just it's just amazing, and then it, <clears throat> like I said, it also includes suggestions for the you know the the host to kind of move things along. Douglas, if you would talk less, these interviews would be better. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I, you know, I guess that's, I guess that's that's true. You know, I don't know. Douglas, does your podcast actually have any listeners at all? Whoa, hey, wait a minute. I I, I looked at the analytics. I, I I thought I I thought I did. Douglas, have you always been a loser? Whoa, you know, this is taking kind of a taking of a dark turn. I I don't really like. I, I guess I got some work things to work Douglas, out. Your podcast sucks. Whoa, hey, wait. I you know I don't know where this is going now. I, I, I because I, I can't turn it off. It's like Al nine thousand, yeah. I, but I can't. I can't. So <laughs> anyway, well, listen. Uh, hopefully, you know she won't pop in here again, but um, she might. So now this book was endorsed by a number of heavy hitters, including Matthew Sweezy uh, from Salesforce, author of the Context Marketing Revolution, and a past guest on the Marketing Book Podcast. I'm very 
proud to say. And he wrote, today, no business can succeed without a digital presence, and in the very near future, no brand will succeed without AI. Ratzer and Kaput have done a masterful job with this book by giving you the roadmap of AI's impact and how you can leverage them for a more successful future. No truer words. But let me mention why the marketers and the salespeople and the business owners still might want to listen to this. Hopefully, there won't be any more really, really stupid jokes. There might be a few. But uh, you know Jim Stern. He's spoken at your conference. He's the author of Artificial Intelligence for Marketing. I do. Jim's phenomenal. Yeah. And in his book, there was something I, you know, one of the many things that was like back in 2017, great book. And he had this expression that I have has stuck with me ever since then. It's called Management by In-Flight Magazine. And that's when the boss, whoever the boss is, comes in on a Monday and throws an in-flight magazine down the table, whatever the topic is they were reading about. And in this case, it would be an article perhaps written by you (laughs) in an in-flight magazine about artificial intelligence for marketing or something like that. They're going to throw it on the table and say, hey, you, marketing person, what do you know about this? What, you know, stop everything. You know, it's the same person that might come in and go, guys, everything's going into TikTok now. Stop all marketing activity. So... Anyway, that's why I think that people need to know about that. And I have a confession to make, Paul, since we're, you know, talking about my emotions here. I have actually, in all in all seriousness, I've actually passed on some other books that have come across my desk about AI and marketing. Uh, you know, this isn't the only one, but and and the reason why, and maybe I'm wrong to do this. I know you would read them, but my sense after evaluating the books is like there were a couple that were just way too heavy on the technology. And I thought they were a little light on the actionable advice for the non-technical person like me. And because also, I couldn't help but think they were just trying to impress their moms at how smart they are. <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm serious. Uh, so that, dear listener, that is definitely not the case with this book at all. And I'm really serious. I'm so glad I read it. I feel like I have a much better understanding of it. There's not a bunch of fear. I'm excited uh, about this this whole thing, and I've been following what you've been doing for you know for years now. But I, I'm glad I read this book. It was kind of like when I first read "Sell with a Story" by Paul Smith, which was one of the first books I read about the nuts and bolts of using stories in sales, not making up things, but a, a types of stories. And he went behind the science behind it all, and it just it really cleared up a lot of things for me. So I should also add that after reading hundreds of books for the show over the last few years, which I love doing, I've noticed, with really without exception, that authors with a journalism background write excellent books. And Mike was a journalist like over in, in overseas at one point, right? He was in Egypt, yeah. Yeah. So shout out to the listeners in Egypt. So the other reason I'm glad I read the book is that <laughs> for lack of a better term, I'm just wary of hype yeah. in marketing. And sure enough, you guys tackle that in this. And when I say wary of hype, I mean, it goes back to even the dot-com, the dot-bomb, where I remember you remember that all, all that frenzy before the NASDAQ just plummeted and there was a Super Bowl and it had maybe 60 advertisers and about 30 of them were tech startups. And within a year, almost all of them were out of... <laughs> out of business or something like that. And I can remember sitting in marketing meetings with some of these tech companies we had as clients at this agency I worked at, and they were just saying things like, all the rules have changed, marketing's completely changed. It was like they were defying gravity and all their you know, their businesses all 
petered out and they all thought they had the next great unicorn. So it just kind of wore me down. So if there were a picture of what I looked like when I was starting to read this book, I looked like Michaela Maroney, the 2012 London Olympics silver medal gymnast. I don't look at all like her, but she was famous for when she was getting the silver medal. She had this kind of scowl on her face like she was kind of not impressed, and it turned into a meme. And uh, by the time I was halfway through the book, the clouds completely lifted, and I had a much better understanding, and I guess excitement. And just one other thing I want to mention before I read a quick excerpt here is this book reminded me a bit of the book that was on the show about a year ago called Sustainable Marketing, How to Drive Profits with Purpose by Michelle Carville, Gemma Butler, and Geraint Evans. And different topic, obviously. But what they were doing was being really honest, saying, look, this is what's important to people. This is how things can help you. This is where things aren't completely settled yet. Uh, this is These are some of the big misunderstandings. So it was a, it was a similar phenomenon like that. So let me just read uh, from something from the very beginning and then get into it. So this is on um, page three. This is your chance to be a pioneer in one of the most profound technological shifts in human history. We are in a rare position to create change, to reinvent what it means to be a marketer. You don't have to become a machine learning engineer or data science to take advantage of what AI enables. You simply need to understand what is possible with smarter technologies and apply that knowledge to your business and career. Learn to look at problems and how to solve them differently so you'll be able to drive your organization through the next frontier in digital marketing transformation. Differentiate yourself from your peers by achieving greater efficiencies in your work, building more intelligent campaigns and solutions, and focusing on the traits and abilities that remain uniquely human, such as empathy, creativity, and strategy. You can become a next-gen marketer. These professionals aren't defined as next-gen because of age, but rather because of their approach to embracing change and applying smarter technology. Next-gen marketers know that in order to deliver the personalization experiences modern consumers expect, marketing must become smarter. It must become marketer plus machine. We've entered the age of intelligent automation. AI is not going to replace you. <laughs> Rather, it will replace specific tasks and augment what you are capable of doing. Don't wait for the marketing world to get smarter around you. Take the initiative now to understand, pilot, and scale AI. The opportunities are endless for marketers with the will and vision to transform the industry. The marketers who take action have the opportunity to create a significant and sustained competitive advantage for their businesses and themselves. AI enables marketers to accelerate revenue growth, create personalized consumer experiences at scale, drive costs down, generate greater ROI, get more actionable insights from marketing data, predict consumer needs and behaviors with greater accuracy, reduce time spent on repetitive data-driven tasks, shorten the sales cycle, unlock greater value from marketing technologies. It's all about the outcomes. It's smarter technology that builds smarter businesses. Now, in all honesty, Paul, I'm reading through that. And I'm thinking, oh boy, groan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all completely went away after I read read the book. And you then go on to have about 15 or 20 questions, which I won't go through all of them. But you you talk about things like what is AI? You know, um, how is it? Uh, what are the greatest obstacles marketers face? How will marketing jobs evolve? On and on. Uh, where should marketers turn for AI education and training? And how should marketers get started with AI? 
really great questions. Yes, you guys answer them beautifully. Um, but then you go on to say, this book draws on years of research and dozens of interviews with AI executives, engineers, and entrepreneurs. It presents the current potential of AI as of 2020, as well as a glimpse into a future in which marketers and machines work seamlessly together. Marketing artificial intelligence is designed to help marketers truly understand AI, educate their teams, garner executive support, pilot AI use cases, and develop near-term strategy for successfully scaling AI. This book, okay, here's, you had me at hello. This is, this book largely caters to non-technical audiences, meaning you don't need a background in analytics, data science, or programming to understand and apply what it teaches. So I could, I could go on and read the entire book, but I won't <laughs> as a favor to uh, the listener and to the guest here. But Paul, this is my opinion, okay? <laughs> but I feel, or I, I still think that marketers should be very careful about using the word AI around civilians. And, and by civilians, I mean anyone outside the marketing department. And it's not just AI. There's other topics that I think marketers get themselves in trouble for talking about because I think people have this hype fatigue. It's, you know, whatever the new thing is. It seems like instead you should be talking with the civilians about doing experiments that either reduce cost or generate revenue. What, 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 what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely where we've learned through the years. I mean, I started the Marketing AI Institute in 2016. We just started it as a blog and started writing articles to, as you highlight, like tell the story of AI. We were storytellers by trade, Mike and I both. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to figure out what it is and how to make it make sense to ourselves. And then in turn, can we make it make sense to other people and make other people care? And so there is a small segment of the marketing industry and the business community that seek AI. They, they understand what it is and they are, they are looking for it to be infused into their business. I did consulting for a major hospital um, about three years ago and they were mandated by their CEO to infuse AI into all aspects of marketing and communication because in that industry and in that organization, they for the last decade have seen the benefits of AI and what it could do to the operations of the business. And they wanted those same efficiencies and growth opportunities in all aspects of the company. And so when you look at industries that have been using AI for the last decade, like finance, healthcare, um, media and entertainment. Uh, these are natural places where you don't have to convince the C-suite of what AI is or why it matters. Mm -hmm. They've been using it. But in many cases, and especially in like small to mid-sized businesses, yeah, it's the AI, that's what I always tell people, it's just smarter technology. You're just trying to find ways to build a smarter company because if you don't, someone's going to build a smarter version of your company. And so, yeah, it comes down to driving efficiencies in your business, saving costs, um, you know, giving you chan a chance to accelerate revenue, finding new audience segments you can market to, personalizing communications to them. So we always tell people, like, talk, talk in a way that what matters to the person that controls the budget. Talk about the KPIs that are relevant to them. Yes. And nobody cares. Like, they don't care how you do it. Um, but yeah. knowing what AI is and how to apply it is a dr dramatic competitive advantage oh, for, yeah. for marketers who do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Paul Ratzer, obviously you're, you're a smart guy. You've written three books, all of which I've read, by the way. Thank you. So, for this interview and for this particular topic, I guess uh, specifically as it relates to technology, I need to 
ask you to pretend that you are being interviewed by Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man. So what are the most common questions you get for marketers, from marketers and business people about artificial intelligence? And feel free to explain more about what AI is, because before we were recording, you mentioned there's fear and then the studies you all have done. What are some of the, the main questions you do get, if not the ones that I already touched on from the beginning of the book? Yeah, I mean, the beginning of the book was meant to curate a collection of the most common things we hear. So. I could have used that as a, 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 a interview guide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really could. I guess I kind of wrote the interview for you. Um, no, it if if someone doesn't understand it at all and we're just in conversation i tell someone hey i have a artificial intelligence institute it's like what is that like you know yeah like somebody you'd meet at a guardians game yeah yeah and what i'll tell them is like you use ai dozens of times every day in your consumer life from spotify recommend like learning your preferences of music and making recommendations to netflix with videos and movies to gmail finishing your sentences and tiktok building the for you page and like None of these technologies that we come to take for granted are possible without artificial intelligence. It is it is the technology that underlies all of them that gives this software or the machine the ability to predict, to make predictions. And then, as you highlighted up front, this ability to have language, to understand human language when we ask questions of Siri and Alexa, and then to respond back to us. That is human language is is something that you have to give to machines. They don't have that. So all of these things encompass what AI is, which we just define as making marketing smart. Like it's just, you know, we borrow from the definition of the science of uh, making machines smart, which is my favorite definition of AI, mm-hmm. to the science of making marketing smart. And all it comes down to is in business, I know it's not all marketers that listen to the show, but in in business... Well, the good-looking ones do. <laughs> all the software that you use, you tell it what to do. So someone built software, and I don't care if it's Microsoft Word or Excel or Google Sheets or your email software, whatever it is, they built a program that enables you to then give instructions to the software to do things for you. Whether it's entering information into a cell or sending an email, doesn't matter. That software doesn't learn and get better on its own. It doesn't recommend actions to you. It doesn't do anything. It's just a, it's a rules-based, human-powered thing. What AI does is it learns. It takes in information. It sees how you're using it. Um, and, and it improves its ability to make recommendations and make you better at your job. So the example I give in the book, which you may get into, is Tesla. Like the way a Tesla learns how to be autonomous in driving, which it's not yet today, is by human driver behavior. It monitors everything the million plus Tesla dr- drivers do and the AI is actually learning behind the scenes what a good human driver does, how they change lanes, when they swerve to avoid things, how they make turns. Everything is captured within the systems within Tesla, and then it learns, and then it pushes that learning back out to the network of cars. That's what's going to happen in marketing and business software. Mm-hmm. The software will learn. It will th- That group learning, that network learning will then get pushed back out to the software and each day or each week or each month, you're going to wake up and all of a sudden 
your software is going to be smarter, mm-hmm. just like Netflix and Spotify and all these other ones that learn your preferences and behavior. And that's that's kind of a synopsis. So people just want to understand what it is and what it's capable of doing and like what's some examples. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's abstract until you actually do it. And I want to talk about some of those examples in here. And as I recall in the book, you were describing how you bought the Tesla a couple of years ago. And then after, I don't know, a couple of years, you noticed it was actually giving you more features about changing lanes or something that it didn't yeah. do initially. Yeah, that was that was a really good example to me. And it's funny, when I bought the car, which obviously is a very expensive car, the way I justified it to my wife was I wanted to understand the AI within it, and I wanted to see how it learned. And so I could justify buying a really expensive car because I wanted the AI. Nice, Paul. I'm, I'm sure she fell for that. <laughs> I said it's like an iPhone. Like I could buy a normal phone, but I want the iPhone. Um, so anyway, yes, the way it works is if you haven't, if you don't know how Tesla's work, they push updates over air, just like your phone receives updates over air. So you connect it to Wi-Fi, and it just pushes software updates. So about a year or so into owning my first one, you get an alert that it now recommends lane changes. So when you're on the freeway and you have autopilot engaged, which is its version of self-driving, it would say change lanes and it would say click the button to to go ahead and change lanes what it was doing was predicting that it was going to be faster to move into the left lane than the lane you were currently in based on traffic patterns and everything like that Mm -hmm. after a month or two of that happening and humans saying yes or no to the recommendation so humans are training the machine Mm -hmm. i'm saying yeah that's a good recommendation go ahead and change my lane they figured out that they could predict when to change lanes as good or better than humans And so you actually then got an update that gave you the choice to now say, go ahead and let the machine change lanes on its own. Don't just prompt me to do it. I'm going to allow the machine to do it for me. And you could now get on the freeway, turn on autopilot, give it your destination, and it would drive you, including changing lanes for you, from point A to point B. And all you had to do was rest your hands on the wheel every 30 to 45 seconds so it knew you weren't sleeping. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only hope that my podcast assistant will actually get better and make better <laughs> suggestions to me. But like I said, you know, it's just, I just want to share it with you. I was kind of excited. Maybe I was a little premature bringing it out, but um, it's impressive early technology. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to quote you on that. Because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to scale this thing. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really going to go well. TV advertising is a powerful channel for business growth, and it's a counterintuitive solution for businesses frustrated by the rising costs of digital marketing. But the traditional process for launching TV campaigns is expensive, time-consuming, and complex. That's why marketing architects flipped the traditional process on its head. With all-inclusive TV advertising, they invest their own money to produce, analyze, and optimize your TV campaign. All you pay for is media, setting you up for rapid growth at a significant cost advantage. This approach to TV is so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. It's called All-Inclusive TV, How Booming Brands Are Reimagining TV Advertising. It explores how a variety of brands are using TV to transform their businesses and how you can do the same. For a free copy of the book, visit this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com or visit marketingarchitects.com slash book and tell them you heard about it on the Marketing Book Podcast. So let's jump to um, the advertising part, advertising and AI. And I want to read from page 75 and ask you to tell us what happened. So you write... 
Despite being a host on the Australian edition of Shark Tank, serial entrepreneur Naomi Simpson found herself in murky and dangerous waters. Simpson had hired multiple ad agencies to run paid ads for her experiential gifts company, Red Balloon. Think of Groupon for travel and adventure excursions. The agencies claimed to know paid advertising better than anyone, but it came at a cost. Red Balloon was shelling out $45,000 per month on agency retainers and paying $50 or more for each customer acquisition. She said, we were being held to ransom. Paul Reitzer, what happened? They found an AI tool that was better than humans at advertising. (laughs) So the advertising is a great uh, early area where AI was applied. And because to do advertising well, you have to predict a lot of things. You have to make predictions about which channel you should put your money into, how much you should spend in each channel. You have to predict which audience segments you should target and which creative you should use to target them. There are thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of variations that would enable you to optimize an ad campaign. And if you're spending 4000 a month or 45000 a month, it doesn't matter. Humans suck at making these predictions. Yes. <laughs> so what happens in Albert, which is the tool we featured there, is which, which actually got acquired um, last year. Oh, really? So, yeah. The way you do it is you upload. So the human says, hey, we have $30,000 to spend this month, and we'd like to spend it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is. Then the human comes up with variations of creative, uh, different subject lines or headlines, different images, different body copy, different CTAs. You upload those to the machine. The machine mixes and matches all of those ad creatives. So the machine doesn't create the ads per se from scratch. A human is still involved, but then you give it all these creatives. And then the the AI starts running all these variations. So and I think we said this when 6,500 different variations of the ad in one day, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So what it does is it finds the winners and then it finds them by audience segment and by channel. So rather than a human sitting there saying, oh, I think ad A is performing best on Facebook, but ad B is performing best on Google ads. Uh, let's go ahead and put all of our money into those two. The AI runs 24-7, 365 without getting tired, and it may realize 36 hours later that ad A is not working anymore. And it tries a new variation, and it tests a new audience. So it's like, it's this idea of the human plus the machine. The human is still there, telling it what to do, telling it goals, giving it some creative, but the AI does what it's really good at, which is testing lots and lots of variations and continually predicting what to do next. And so that's like the practical example there is this is one of those things where you look and say, okay, a human just wouldn't do this. Like it doesn't matter how many people you hire, you could never test that Mm -hmm. many variations of ads across six channels. But the AI is there to help us humans and to do these things we can't do. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, when I read that, I thought, man, I want some of that. And I also thought, boy, if you're not using those kinds of tools, you really are doing it the hard way. It's almost like uh, years ago, people would build websites from scratch. Now, if you're doing it from scratch and not using some sort of pre-existing platform or template, you really are doing it the hard way. And I should also add that in almost all these chapters, you 
talk about very specific tools to go check out. You talked about Albert and you talk about some of the others, explain what they do. But also, um, could we just take a brief detour here and explain how people can learn more about all the different technology out there that you all are following? Yeah, I mean, the Marketing AI Institute is our is our business. I mean, that's kind of where the book comes out of. Um, we've published probably eight or 900 articles on artificial intelligence. Uh, so a lot of the, our ongoing learnings, because the way we look at it is we're still learning. We're still on this journey, this exploration of what it is and how do we apply it and how do we make it grow our business. So we publish a weekly newsletter that summarizes a lot of this information. And a lot of the vendors, we do spotlights on them. And we just ask like the same nine questions of them and you know how they use AI and how it's better or smarter than you know, alternative options and who it's for. And so we just, we're trying to understand this market. And in turn, we share everything we learn with our readers. Yes. And there was a part in the book where you said, if there's a, they're still finding their sea legs. And sometimes even the sales and marketing people don't quite understand what the product does. But there was one funny line in there that I'm, see if I could find where you said that if a um, company claims that they can do everything, run away or something like that? If it's fully autonomous, yeah. If it's, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, in a very nice way, you guys call BS. <laughs> a lot well, of I mean, I'll, I'll say that to the vendors. Like the, the way I the way I explain it to people is if if you're on a website and they say, we use AI to do content strategy, it's fully autonomous or manage your ad budget, it's fully autonomous. They are either lying or they are misinformed by their engineers of what their AI is capable of doing. Right. Because full autonomy, which again, equated to the Tesla, the autonomous vehicle industry, full autonomy in the, in, in that, in the, in the car industry is there's no steering wheel. It's, I get in a car. It's basically like a moving living room. I say, I want to go to Douglas's house and it takes me. And it doesn't matter if it's snowing, raining, if I have to go off or it doesn't matter in all conditions, it gets me to my thing by me just giving it a goal that in marketing and business is I want 500 leads next quarter. Go do your thing. There is no steering wheel. Like I'm not helping you machine. Just do your thing. And so if someone claims that you don't need a steering wheel, (laughs) that this thing is going to do this by itself, they are they are lying or misinformed because it is not possible in in vehicles and it is not possible in software that's not a bad thing by the way like we we use the market and machine scale which we may get into and what i would say is like level 1 is really good like just the machine helping you might save you dozens of hours a month yeah. you don't need full autonomy we're not trying we're not trying to get there yes but you know i think this gets into an issue I've seen with companies where basically they want to write a check and have something happen. (laughs) You know, and it's like back from my ad days, you know, it's like, just, you guys just go run some ads. You know, I don't really want to have to deal with this. (laughs) And so I think that there are a lot of people that are willing to pay for that lottery ticket or that pipe dream uh, out there. So that may be why there's, there's some of that going on. So, you know, it's like uh, there was another book on the show a while back, and I can't remember which one, but they talked about how one of the worst things to happen to the marketing automation industry was to use the word automation <laughs> because it it gave the, it gives a lot of people the wrong impression that you don't have to do anything. Really, no, it's just – it's like buying a set of tools. You have to have somebody swing the hammer. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know if I used this line in this book. It might have been the last book. But so they, like the great irony of marketing automation is that it's manual. So like – you know, we came up in the HubSpot <laughs> right. era, and, but yeah. like you had all this talk in the early teens, the two, you know, 2000 and teens about automation. 
And in reality, we have to write all the rules. It's not really <laughs> automated. Like it's lots of human-based rules to, to create the automation. So that's why we talk about intelligent automation, like truly automated, where it learns and improves and makes you better that you don't have to write all the rules for. Yes, yes. And I can only imagine that anyone who's ever worked in sales at a company like HubSpot <laughs> has had to try to manage expectations like because uh, the companies are thinking, well, I'm paying all this money for the software. You mean I got to hire people to run it? <laughs> yep. So let's jump to the analytics because sort of like the advertising, I saw that and I thought, oh my goodness, how can you not do this? You write uh, Budget Dumpster is a straightforward company. <laughs> It rents dumpsters to homeowners and contractors, and it has a ton of competitors. Some competitors are small local companies in one of budget dumpsters markets. Other competitors are huge national firms with serious clout. Budget dumpsters' lean marketing team's job is to win business no matter who they're up against, except the company had a problem. The analytics tools they were using didn't give them enough comprehensive intel on all the different types of competitors, and the insights their tools did surface took too long to process and use in the market. So what did they do, and what happened? Yeah, so that was a, a company called Cran they used, which actually, you know, speaking of HubSpot, was founded by one of, um, co-founded by Jonah Lopin, who was one of the first five employees at HubSpot, I believe. Um Anyway, so what CRAN does is it monitors everything online. It's like a full digital footprint of everything that happens. So imagine knowing if your competitors you know, are making a hire. Um, like it can monitor all changes on their website, all their ads, everything. So everything a company does. And so if you want to stay ahead of or like know where they are and stay ahead of them, it processes all this information and surfaces opportunities for you. So again, Nobody is going to hire a full-time staff to take your three biggest competitors and watch everything they do. Go to their website every day, curate anything that changed on the website. It's just not going to happen. What the machine does is it, it does this because it doesn't have to sleep. So it curates all this information and tries to surface the most relevant things. And so you or I walk into the office at 8 a.m. and we have a report of here's the 15 things that might matter to you that your competitors did yesterday. So again, a function that just didn't exist, you're now able to take that in real time and make decisions for your business based on that data. And what was interesting to me is, you know, uh, when it was when I was the doubting Thomas at the beginning of the book, when I was Michaela Maroney, I was thinking, oh, yeah, but I don't work for Facebook or Google or Amazon. <laughs> but then you go through and you talk about dumpster companies that are in a very competitive, I would think, very price sensitive environment, and it's almost like, yeah, actually, if you're not working for those big companies then you should probably be looking at doing some of these things to augment and, and compete more effectively. So let's talk about PR. You've got a company called PR 2020. Had, sold it. Oh, you did. That's right. I'm yeah, sorry. Rebranded it. Even I didn't rebrand it. They rebranded it. Oh, what's it called now? Ready North. Oh, okay. So we need to change the sign on the building. Okay, because I only go by signs I see when I'm driving around <laughs> downtown Cleveland. So until they change that sign... Uh, you know, you, you guys are PR 2020. <laughs> They'll always be PR 2020 to me, Paul. In your that's just yeah, in my heart. Yes, thank you. So I want to ask you to elaborate on something from page 97. Again, okay. AI presents PR and communications professionals with an opportunity to develop a massive competitive advantage by using technology to automate, augment, 
and enhance what they already do, specifically making predictions and recommendations to drive business results. Again, you know, Paul, again, another detour. About a year or two ago, at my 110-year-old house, there was a water heater from 1990, 30 years ago, and it just exploded and spilled water all over the cellar, which is not a problem. But anyway, I didn't know there they don't normally last 30 years, but this is the first house I've ever owned. Anyway, they ended up putting in a tankless water heater. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. And it I didn't realize how not hot the water had been in our house all these years. But it was like putting in broadband at the house 20 years before that. I just remember thinking, was no one going to tell me about this stuff? <laughs> and so almost every one of these chapters, I'm like, was no one going to tell me about this? Talk about how AI is helping with PR. Yeah, so I my major in college was public relations. I came out of the journalism school with a major in PR, and then I started at a PR agency. So I spent the first five years of my career doing crisis communications, media relations work, and then kind of evolved into brand strategy and um, marketing strategy over time. So then when I started PR 2020 back in 2005, it was to try and transform the PR industry. It was really you know, part of my initial vision that I felt like a lot of what the industry was doing was very outdated. And just to give people perspective who don't know what that industry does, um, one of the early things we would do is you would get, it was called, I think it was the Bacon's Guide. It was like this multi-thousand page uh, book that had all the media, like TV, (laughs) magazine, newspaper, their name. I don't even think we had email addresses, honestly, back then. Like fax machine number, phone number. Maybe there was email addresses. It would come in like a binder every quarter or something like, it like that? No, it was like this big, fat, bound thing. Oh, okay. And my job in, in the early days was to go through and highlight journalists that I thought would cover my client's stories. And then you would go to the, the copy machine and you would make copies of the pages then I would give those to the office manager and she would type up a list in Excel of all the journalists. Now, mind you, that book, the day we get it, is already outdated. <laughs> and then we would buy a new one every like two years. And then the innovation in the PR industry was when they moved to CD-ROMs. Ah. So like it, it the PR now, industry- Paul, is- this was right after you were in the Civil War, right? Yes, it felt like it. So, and you can understand now why I wanted to build an agency that like, helped move the PR industry forward. So now I, I love the PR industry. For years, we did still did PR work. Um, but historically, they are three to five years behind the marketing industry, like the, the broader marketing industry in terms of adoption of technology and innovation and things like that. So it pains me sometimes to look at the communications industry and the PR industry, you know, my origins, and see how far behind it is with what's possible. So this idea of like from going from photocopying a book that's already outdated to find journalists to having an AI that I say, okay, the story I want to tell is this. This is the client. This is the story I want to tell. Who should I take this story to? And the AI can go out on the internet and read every story written. And it could find the journalist talking about that exact topic in the last three months. And then it can analyze their articles and find the people who were the sources for their stories who may have influenced how they covered that story. Then I wanted to find the people within it who covered it in a positive light because I don't want negative articles about my client. Mm -hmm. All of this 
is hundreds of hours of work for junior level associates that brands have to pay probably $200 to $300 an hour to do this grunt work. And they're not even very good at it because (laughs) it's really time consuming. There is no reason that in the not too distant future, humans should not be doing that. Like that media relations, finding the people to target is AI will be way, way better at it. And that's just one example. Then there's monitoring your brand for negative things that may happen, not only in print, which is easy to track, but what about within videos? What about within photos? Like if you're a consumer products company, well, computer vision, AI, lets me see those things. It lets me know when my product appeared in an Instagram photo or someone talked about my product on a TikTok video. It can it can monitor all that stuff and not just mentions, but just appearances. So it's just that industry. And then language is at the core of communication. So the ability for machines to understand and write language. Um, it, it's it's like, so like press ripe. releases. Yes. It's so ripe for disruption. Like it'll take longer than a lot of the other categories we cover because it's just less money is get flowing in. Less venture capital flows into this industry because it's not as big as the advertising industry or controls as much budget as, but if, if brands have a, if tech companies have a vision to transform communications and PR, they could absolutely do it very quickly. Cause a lot of what happens there is very obsolete. Mm. That reminds me of in the 1980s. And I say this with love. Yes. No. With love for the communications and PR industry. Well, we want to see our uh, PR brothers and sisters, you know, survive and thrive, Yes, but they're still, you know, uh, building uh, buggy whips in the era of the automobile. And it reminded me in the late, in the 1980s, I, I worked at these big agencies in New York and I was an assistant account executive. And one of the things we had to do was competitive spending reports. Yeah. And we would get these, there was a room, there was the, it was called the media library on another floor <laughs> of the uh, place in New York. And it was, we would go in there and talk about grunt work. We then had to open up all these different binders that would come in about every quarter or month for you know uh, spot markets or cable TV or radio or print and all those different kinds of things. And we had to spend hours piecing together what the competitors were spending. And then we would look at our own clients' spending and then see how that differed from what we knew to be true. And I, I mean, we, I can't tell you how many uh, hundreds of hours spent oh, doing yeah. that. And then we would... It pull it together and send it, and, and I'm not sure anybody was reading them. But <laughs> so I saw that, and I just thought, "Yep, yep, I've been there." So let's let's continue on here. So uh, Paul Ratzer, you're in uh, Cleveland, home of the uh, Content Marketing Institute, founded by Joe Polizzi, currently a member of the Marketing Book Podcast Five Timers Club, and uh, your growth officer at the Marketing AI Institute is uh, Kathy McPhillips, formerly the Vice President of Marketing for the uh, Content Marketing Institute. Also, she's a member of the uh, Ohio University Mafia, like yourself. Respect. <laughs> West Side. So let's talk about content marketing and AI. Again, this just got me so fired up. What can we learn from a cupcake, Paul, about using AI in content marketing? So AI is is very good at figuring out what to write about and then 
potentially helping you write it. So there's lots of different ways you can apply AI and content marketing. My former agency was predominantly a content marketing agency. Mm -hmm. We planned and created content to help grow businesses, generate leads for businesses, grow their audience. So it was all human all the time. You know, you'd analyze keywords, you try and figure out what people are searching for, then you try and write blog posts or create ebooks or do webinars or do podcasts, whatever it is. You're trying to create something that draws those people in. Um, again, fine, but but humans aren't very good at that. There's lots more data that goes into figuring out what to write about and then what to publish and when to publish and how to promote it. Um, that humans just generally don't have the time or capability to do, but machines are really good at it. Mm -hmm. And so BuzzFeed is the example we use in there um, where they created this whole content program around the Good Advice Cupcake, and it was largely driven by AI, figuring out what would draw people in, what kind of content and information would people find engaging, entertaining, whatever it may be. And BuzzFeed did this probably better than anybody in the last like six years. They built an amazing AI engine to power their growth, but they're not alone. The Washington Post um, does this. They have a, their own AI writer called Heliograph that can actually write content, but they also use it to figure out what to write about and which headlines to use. So the content marketing, the story we tell is a broader media company, not approach super approachable for a lot of people. Like I can't build the next BuzzFeed. But when you go through that chapter, what you end up finding are all these extremely practical use cases for how you could start using AI right now to create content, optimize content, predict what content is going to perform, personalize and recommend content. Like it's it's almost endless the ways you could use AI in content marketing. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, like so many of these chapters, you say, hey, these are some vendors you might want to mm -hmm. check out. Yep. Um, and we use a number of them. That's actually one of the biggest applications at the, the Marketing AI Institute is like we use Descript for our podcasts, you know, to convert everything, to transcribe it, to edit it. We Oh, we you're going to want to switch to my assistant uh, before I, long. No yeah. doubt. Once, yeah. you, once you go into like beta mode, let me know. Probably we're, just another week in. or two and we're going to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we, we use a lot of AI tools in that space. Market Muse is one we use to yeah. build our strategy. So yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I love it. And I again, it's like, gosh, how can I not be using this? And then uh, we won't have time to go into but you talk about uh, you have chapters on customer service. These wonderful things about how uh, AI is being used for customer service. Sometimes I'm a little frustrated, but sometimes it gets better. And then you've got e-commerce and AI. Speaking of the Washington Post, uh, Jeff Bezos, yep. the, the Amazon plays an enormous role uh, there. But I want to jump to email marketing and AI because I want to respect your time. There's only so much Paul Racer to go around. You talk about, this is email marketing, and it was like, I'm underlining this stuff and looking it up, thinking, this is so cool. You, uh, you write about Matt Moscona, hosts a sports radio talk show on ESPN 104.5 out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That was my embellishment. That was pretty good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. His fans love him, but they're always hungry for fresh content. So Moscona started a daily email newsletter to further engage with his audience. He had a problem, though. Email marketing is hard, really hard. <laughs> Tell us what he did. So in that case, there's a tool called rasa.io that builds smart newsletters. And what it does is you give it 
Um, so in his case, he's trying to curate interesting sports news, you know, for the local market. But he's he's informed by probably specific journalists, specific news outlets. Like he's getting his information from a dozen or two dozen sources mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. So what Rasa does is you tell it the sources where you get your information. So you could do this any B2B or B2C play. Like you do it in manufacturing. So it's like, okay, I read these 20 sources and I follow these five people on Twitter. And this basically is my universe of knowledge. This is where it all comes from. So you tell rasa.io, here's my 20 sources. It then curates those for you. And it builds it into you know just a desktop application. Says, "Hey, here's the stories from the last 24 hours. You know, here's the 50 things that are up. You go through and say, okay, yeah, these six are irrelevant, but other than that, these other ones are awesome. Then what it does is it learns, and this is the good part. <laughs> yeah, it learns over time that Douglas likes these kinds of articles and Paul likes those kinds of articles, and rather than the sender having to pick, okay, I'm going to send these seven articles." It lets the AI choose from the 40-some remaining and customize to Douglas and to Paul which ones it predicts those individuals are most likely to click on. And then every time you click on it, it learns your behavior. Again, like Netflix, like Spotify, it's the same playbook. <laughs> like It's trying to predict <laughs> the con- information you will consume that'll get you to take an action. And so you personalize these newsletters at scale, we use that word a lot, but what it means is I could do this reasonably well for 10 people. I cannot do the same thing reasonably well for 10,000 people <laughs> at scale to go from one to 10 to 100 to 1,000 to 100,000. Yeah. AI is what enables scale to happen. I love it. And one idea that popped into my head, and I think we all know that I don't have many ideas, so it's rare, but I thought, you know what? I've interviewed over 300 authors, they've all got blogs. <laughs> I, yep. could, I could be pulling from every one of those, including yours, of course, Paul. And you could add their Twitter feeds, and then it could pull their Yeah, well. and it would be like the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter daily. Yep. Yeah, so it's like, thanks, Paul. Do yeah, it. You've added I more. Some, I know some people that yeah. can make it happen. Oh, really? Okay, cool. And then it could um, include audio and video from my uh, podcast assistant. Um, not not right away, but... So I want to jump to SEO. I couldn't resist because I've used all these SEO tools. You know, they're good ones, good ones. Hrefs, SEMrush, all that sort of thing. And you just make the case for, again, uh, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, and for the younger listeners, uh, music once came on a vinyl disc and you put a, an audio needle on it. But... I was thinking, I got to do this. Oh, man, I've been doing this the hard way. You write, it's no easy feat to grow a brand's organic traffic by a factor of 15. It's even harder to do that in less than six months. And it seems downright impossible to do it when your core audiences span a variety of business functions, including marketing, sales, project management. That is, unless you have artificial intelligence on your side. Tell us what Monday.com did with their SEO. These results blew me away. Yeah, so again, this is using MarketMuse that we talked about. And what MarketMuse does is it it doesn't just look at keyword rankings. It looks at your site's ability to rank for this. So anyone who's worked in content marketing or SEO through the years, you go in, it's like, oh, okay, there's 10,000 searches a month for project management, or maybe it's 200,000, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what Monday.com is, is a yes, project management. project management. Mm-hmm. So you go and say, okay, let's try and rank for that. And then it would give you high, medium, low, like how hard it would be for you to rank. But that's universal to everyone. What it doesn't consider in those cases is your specific 
domain and how hard it is for you to rank for those based on all the other content on your site. So what MarketMuse did for Monday.com, what it does for Marketing Eye Institute, it looks at the strength of your domain for specific topics. Then it'll recommend you what to create. It'll actually build briefs for you with recommendations of what to include in the content you're about to create, which questions to answer, sample text to inject into it. And it'll what works really well for us, it'll take all of your existing content, things you've already published, and it'll recommend things to republish, to you know freshen up, and ways to strengthen them to give you a greater chance to rank on page one in search results. And so that's the that's the play. That's the play we talk about it for money.com is this more intelligent approach to SEO where you're considering the implications to your own domain, but you're also looking at your universe of existing content and finding ways to improve it. Because the reality is the search engines don't work without AI. So how <laughs> does a human combat an AI-powered search engine? Google is exists to create the perfect search, the, the exact thing your intent is looking for. And so you need AI to <laughs> to compete with AI. Yes. Well, we're talking about an arms race now, but there was one line I underlined on page 150. Not a lot of people want to hear this, but you wrote, gone are the days of writing content to match simple keywords. Oh. Yeah, that was gone like six years ago, but some people yeah. may still be holding on to that. Well, <laughs> you heard it here first on the Marketing Book Podcast, folks. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I just loved it. And then, uh, of course, you, I, it, reading the book may take some folks longer because I, you jump into every, like I said, every chapter has uh, vendors to explore. Yeah, those and, 10 middle chapters were designed that way, like tell an upfront story. You, you figured out the, temp, the template, but tell an upfront story, give use cases, and then give vendors. Yeah. And then end it. I mean, is it like, it's just a form, but there's ten of them, and it was a, it was kind of made to be a choose your own adventure. Like give them the story yeah. up front, the big picture. Then if you only do communications and email and sales, like jump to those chapters. Like you don't you don't have to read all those middle chapters. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure, and then you wrap back around to the last three chapters of the book, which are meant for everybody. Yes, yes. Well, I just love the way you guys did it. It was great. Again, it. It's that uh, that journalism background. Okay, so just two more things I want to ask you about from the book. One of them is social media marketing, and the last one is sales. And the okay. sales one probably got me the most excited. So stay tuned, folks. It's called a <laughs> teaser, okay? You probably learned that in journalism school. So let's go to uh, page 159. And I'm following a template for my interview based on your template for the book. I'm on to you. Okay, you're right. If, uh, this is about social media. Again, Amazing. If anyone has their pulse on the future of technology, it's Paul Ratzer. No, I'm kidding. It's Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk is a giant in the social media and business worlds, and for good reason. In the late 1990s, Vaynerchuk successfully leveraged the internet to take his family liquor store from $3 million to $60 million in sales within five years. He then built VaynerMedia, a full-service digital agency that uses his proven social media playbook to grow brands. But Vaynerchuk has the same problem every other social media marketer has. He can't be everywhere at once. So talk about what he did with uh, the company uh, Lately. Yeah, so in this case, what Lately does is it takes content and creates social media posts for you that can be used across channels. So imagine taking this podcast, feeding into the system, and Lately goes through and finds 
eight to ten of the most interesting parts of the podcast and writes them as as tweets for you um, or LinkedIn shares or whatever it may be. And their technology keeps advancing, like moving into video and the ability to you know summarize video and and turn that into social shares. So that's what it's doing. Is it's again it's augmenting what we're capable of doing. It's magnifying our ability or amplifying our ability to take one piece of content and turn it into 20 pieces of content. So rather than having, you know, three social media interns that sit there and, you know, read a thousand word blog post and try and come up with 10 tweets lately does that in 10 seconds. Um, that's what we're talking about. Mm. So if you're someone like Gary, who's creating, you know, hundreds of pieces of content every month, probably, then you absolutely have to have it. But the smallest of businesses and, you know, a single person independent consultant shop could think about this. It's like, okay, you publish four blog posts a month and, and, and how nice would it be if you had a tool that just created the tweets for you based on it? You just put the URL in and it creates some tweets. And, okay, cool. And then you schedule them right there and send them out. It, it saves time. And if you're, again, a small business and you can save three hours a month on having to do the social media stuff, that's really valuable on small <laughs> right. business. Yeah, let me just quote from page 160 where you write, the Vayner Media team used Lately to this episode, also sponsored by Lately. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the Vayner Media team used Lately to power Gary V TV, a Twitter channel the company launched in 2020. Gary V TV shares the best quotes and clips from Vaynerchuk's daily life as a CEO. Lately, audio generates much of the content and it produces results. Vaynerchuk saw a 12,000% increase in content engagement from shares that were created using Lately. Unbelievable. Great stuff. So last thing I want to ask you about is um, about sales, which let's go back. That's page 139. It just got me the most fired up. Hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. There we go. You write, uh, yeah, let's, okay, let's continue this uh, last uh, story here. You write, uh, you hear a lot of doom and gloom about how much machines are coming for everyone's jobs. Actually, like my assistant here. But the sales team at Okta, O-K-T-A, are pretty happy they turned things over to our robot overlords. (laughs) Talk about what they did. Yeah, so in this case, you're using Drift, the conversational agent. So Drift is actually a big partner of Marketing Eye Institute. But you're using it to to better like prioritize target accounts, centralize sales insights, personalize outreach. That's what we kind of talk about within that chapter. But the whole idea is to be able to take real-time information. They're using things like natural language processing. So trying to understand the questions that are coming in through the conversational agent. You're trying to understand the intent, the behavior, where people are on their buying journey. And then you're trying to personalize the experience they have through a true conversational agent, not a chat bot where humans are writing all the rules and saying, okay, if Douglas asks for this, then give him this. That's most chat bots you engage with are just human written rules. It's branching logic. Mm-hmm. If this happens, then do this. But a true AI-powered conversational agent enables brands like Okta to engage at a more personal level with people and to deliver information in real time that they're actually looking for. And I should mention Drift, one of the founders is uh, David Cancel, who worked also worked at HubSpot. This is a trend here. He was chief product officer at HubSpot. Yeah, yeah actually, I remember meeting him there, going in his office. and Good dude. Yeah, and he called uh, security, but that happens to me all the time. <laughs> but uh, he wrote with uh, Dave Ger- Gerhardt an excellent book that was on the show a few years back called Conversational Marketing, how the world's fastest growing companies use chatbots to generate leads 
365 and how you can too. It, it was really, really good. And you don't have to use his product to benefit 100% from that book. So it was, it, was a, it was a great interview, and I'm going to include a link to that interview, along with some of these others I've mentioned in your episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. But let me go to, I want to quote uh, from page 140 and ask you to discuss. You write, most salespeople stop paying attention when someone mentions AI, and it's understandable. Salespeople know that truly effective sales work can't be done by machines, and they're skeptical of anyone who says otherwise. This misses the point. Explain what you mean when you say this misses the point. So the 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 whole idea And we is, love our salespeople. Yeah, okay? it's it's the marketer plus machine. Like one of the early examples I, I've I heard of, and this is from a company that, that built lead scoring software. They tried to use their own lead scoring software for their company. And within like three days, their own salespeople didn't want to use the AI they had created, they own, their own company had created, because they became convinced that the machine didn't know what a good lead looked like, that they as the salespeople were better at scoring and determining who to outreach to. What the, what the salespeople didn't know, and this is, this is the flaw a lot of times with AI, is people don't understand what it is or how it works. If they would have just explained to the salespeople how them saying this is a good or a bad lead trains the machine and that there's a there's a learning curve for the machine just like a human and so what it's going to do is it's going to recommend 10 good leads to you and you may say now three of these aren't good for some reason some context you as the human have that the machine doesn't you tell it no these three aren't any good and then it learns not to surface leads like those three to you next time just and like so on netflix time, after you've watched yeah, a movie it's like a, it's like a toddler it's like don't do that don't do that don't right. do that by like the fifth time it's like okay fine i won't do it like that's what the machine does it learns from humans telling it you're good or you're bad at this thing uh-huh. yes or no it's it's zeros and ones it's yes or it's no like it's on or it's off <laughs> That's what. That's how a machine is trained. That's how Tesla learns how to drive. Is the human saying, "Don't change lanes." That was a that was a stupid idea, machine. Mm-hmm. Over time, the lead scoring gets better because it finds all these hidden variables that the salesperson might not even be considering that influence a lead, and it learns as people convert. And so that's the whole idea. Of like this missing point is like they're not realizing that the bigger opportunity is to free you up as the salesperson to do more human engagement. If you don't have to worry about all this lead scoring and all this qualification and all these like behind the scenes, data-driven, repetitive things, and you can just get on a phone and actually talk to someone, you're going to achieve more. You're going to sell more. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to do the things that the machine is really good at. Do the things that the human is really good at. Right, right. No offense to your bot, but it's not very good at talking to me yet. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Let it do the curation of stuff instead. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's another one. Just to add some controversy from the very next page, 141. You write, we're talking about use cases. You write, sales is one of the biggest areas where AI can have an impact. That's because sales teams have a big problem. Do tell. There's a lot of data. So <laughs> there's too much um, data everywhere. Yeah, and generally salespeople don't like the data. They like their charts and they like to see their numbers going up and to the right, but they don't necessarily want to have to build pivot tables and look at data coming in from CRM and conversational agent and social media threads and all these other places. That's hard for the human mind to do. Um that's where machines excel. And so you, you want to be able to let the machines do the data work because uh, it, it, 
it's hard for our human minds to process a large amount of data and figure out what to act on based on it. So that's where the machines can really excel is let them help you sell. Yeah. Let them be your assistant. And it's got uh, some use cases like forecast sales outcomes, score leads, qualify leads, recommend sales actions, enhance productivity. That's It's wonderful. So then the last uh, thing I want to ask you about is from page 146. Big question, but I think it's on the minds of a lot of marketers who are listening. If you're convinced AI for sales is worth a look, then the next step is to get sales teams on board. How do you convince colleagues and bosses that AI is a good idea? And how do you enable sales to understand, value, and adopt AI, either as a member of the sales team or an outside marketing champion? What are some of the basics that uh, work in terms of getting the sales team on board, which I think is probably one of the biggest challenges for marketers? Yeah, and we go through three three items there. The first is that whole idea of thinking like sales. Like you have you have to convince them. Like what's going what's going to matter to them? Hey, if I could save you fifteen hours next month on lead qualification, would you be interested in that? Yeah, man, I I can make a hundred more calls if you save me that much. All right, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna pilot something with you next month. Here's how we're gonna do it. They don't care. It's AI. Like they they don't need to no, know. Like yeah. they just just tell me you're gonna make help me sell more. That's all I need to know about. <laughs> right. Um, then the do the work for them, which is like, just, just make it easy for them. Like go in and show them like, Hey, let me set this up for you. Like, you don't have to do anything with it. Um, that's Spend a, some time like, with them. Yeah. Like show them how it works. <laughs> and then the serve them the content they need is like, educate them, tr- treat them on an ongoing basis, nurture them, show them how it's working, what needs to happen. Like, you know, not saying like hold their hands through the whole thing, but make it easy for them. Like they're gonna have these these obstacles in place, like why they're gonna naturally reject it. Like, ah, machine doesn't know my job. It can't write emails for me. It, like, I know my emails, which ones work best. Whatever. It's like, just let me show you. Like, give me give me thirty days. Let me try it out for you. Let me see if I can get your conversion rate up. Yeah. All right. Cool. Fine. Cost That's me great. <laughs> you know, you talk about think like sales. I just loved this quote from page one forty six. This is really important. If you're a marketer enabling sales with AI. You need to know that salespeople are different from you. (laughs) Salespeople care about the bottom of the funnel, not the top or middle like you do. They want buyers, not users, fans, or audience members like you do. (laughs) They're obsessed with moving people through their pipelines. They don't care about how AI helps you get more traffic leads or engagements. They care about how AI makes it easier for them to close and hit quotas. No matter where you are on the organizational chart, think like sales if you want to effectively sell AI to them. So Paul, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? That AI is uh, is approachable and actionable right now. You don't need to go take classes. You don't need to go back to school. You don't need to be a data scientist or machine learning engineer like we talked about up front. Any marketer or business person at any stage of their career can use AI to be more efficient and better at their job right now. Oh. That you 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 really pay that off in the book, and you even got this uh, knuckleheaded luddite uh, excited about it. So, well done. So, what's one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the one of the ideas from your book? You know, like while they're waiting for the hard copy of the book to arrive, just go go get started doing something. Yeah, I would say, what is it you do? Like, think about the repetitive tasks that you do every month. You know, 
like say you do, do email marketing, I have to write subject lines or I have to come up with a lead copy. Or if you're in advertising, you got to develop creative or you're in social media and you got to do social media shares. Or if you're in communications or sales and you got to write copy, there are tools that are either affordable or free demo that don't require your own data that you can just search AI for the thing that I do, just AI for fill in the blank and find someone who's built technology to do that thing. Because what we didn't talk about is AI has to be trained to do very narrow, specific tasks. There's no AI to replace email marketers. You don't buy an email marketing platform that's an AI that replaces email marketers. You buy them to do these very specific tasks within email. And so people build these task-specific AIs, and that's what you're looking for. AI for fill-in-the-blank, and then go test something. Yeah. I'm wondering if we could also send them to, I'm going to include a link to it, but the the AI score for marketers, would that yeah. help them start yeah. thinking about this? Yeah, that's uh, score.marketingainstitute.com, which I know you can put in the show notes. What that does is it walks you through 50 different use cases and you can rate them on a one to five scale of how valuable it would be if AI could help you do that task. Yes. So it basically gives you an idea sandbox of things AI could do. And then if you rate something a three or above, the way that tool works is it surfaces all of those use cases on the final report page for you. And then if we have a vendor in our system that enables that use case, it'll match it for you. It'll say, hey, here's a vendor that does that thing. You can check them out. Yeah, go check them out. <laughs> it doesn't mean go buy their software right, right. off the bat. It's like yeah. here's a starting point. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or have heard of, uh, perhaps you're looking forward to reading? So I'm reading books about space and time right now. I have this obsession with understanding like space-time. So that's not interesting to you. Readers. I'm guessing the average person doesn't want to read that stuff. Not only are marketing book podcast listeners good looking, they're very interesting <laughs> and they have a, 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 a diverse uh, interest base. So yeah, tell us okay. about some of those books. Well, so they're not all losers like me. Okay. No, I'm, I'm reading a Stephen Hawking illustrated, like a, a brief history of time, I think is the, the title of it, but I will go into the business book realm for people a more, a more approachable. Um, Genius Makers is the one that sort of, I'd been studying AI for 11 years, to 2011, I started researching AI and trying to figure out what it was. Um, Genius Makers changed my perspective and led me to sell my agency. Like I, basically what happened was last spring I was reading that book and I realized that the opportunity in AI was far greater than I had previously assumed. And I'd already raised a million dollar seed round on, on for the Institute. So like I already thought it was a big thing. When I read Genius Makers, it changed my entire perspective on how big it really was going to be and how we were only at the very beginning. And I needed to dedicate every moment of my life to understanding and applying AI and and move from running an agency every day. Oh, wow. Genius Makers, the Mavericks who brought AI to Google, Facebook, and the world by Cade Metz. Cade Metz was my keynote speaker for our virtual marketing AI conference last year. Oh. So I have an incredible like hour long conversation with him about the book. It's oh, awesome. Great. He's a New York Times AI writer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, terrific. Well, at marketingbookpodcast.com, as I mentioned, we're going to include links to everything linkable, including the marketing score that we just talked about, the, the link to the marketing AI book. And there's even an AI Academy for marketers where people can go and get additional training that you mentioned at one point in your book. I'm going to include a link to your LinkedIn profile and your Twitter account and everything linkable that I can find. <laughs> Maybe I'll link to the... Uh, Did your AI do that? Can it just find everything we talked about and just link to it all for you? 
Yeah. Well, maybe if you ask her, not me. Um, That's real nicely. Yeah. Douglas, your podcast sucks. Yeah, this is not, you know, this is going to be, a, I, I got it maybe another week or two before this thing is really polished up, ready for the venture capital people. But a word to you, dear listener, thank you for uh, listening. And I want to ask you a big favor. Please reach out in some human way <laughs> to Paul Ratzer and congratulate him on the book. Thank him for being a guest on the Marketing Book Podcast. Tell him you're looking forward to listening to his interview in uh, August of 2029. You know, just reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. He's, he's active in all those places. But make his day. Make him feel like he, you know, that it's not a certain thing that, Paul's going to come back for that third time and become a member of the Marketing Book Podcast Retimers Club, which entitles him to uh, discount coupons at any Cleveland area Taco Bell. So he's got to be thinking like, well, which, which, you know, like a machine learning, because Paul's a machine. He's going to think that I didn't get any reaction from the Marketing Book Podcast, therefore they're dead to me. Uh, so please reach out. Thank him for putting up with my really uh, stupid jokes. But guests on the show, like I mentioned at the top of the interview, told me how much they they really appreciate hearing from Marketing Book Podcast listeners around the world. And not just because Marketing Book Podcast listeners are, you know, really, really really ridiculously good looking. And if you're listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, all these links can be found by going to this episode right now and clicking on the show notes link. The book is Marketing, Artificial Intelligence, AI, Marketing, and the Future of Business. The authors are Paul Ratzer and Mike Caput. Paul, thank you very much for returning to the Marketing Book Podcast. <laughs> I think she can do the curation thing. She seems like she's getting smarter just listening to this conversation. Oh yeah, well, and like I said, I mean, she—you uh, you talk about how uh, these, you know, AI can't learn to love, but from from what I can see, she she's kind of digging you, Paul. Paul, did anyone ever tell you that you are a very good-looking man? <laughs> so, you know, I I think I've done some things really well with my AI. Just a few kinks to work out, but again, thank you very much for joining us. It was great. I really appreciate it. And uh, there was eight years between my second and my third book, so 2029 seems about right. Maybe we'll do it again then. <laughs> <laughs> great. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. Special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Marketing Architects, creators of the all-inclusive TV advertising concept that's so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. For a free copy of the book, All-Inclusive TV, How Booming Brands Are Reimagining TV Advertising, visit this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com or visit marketingarchitects.com slash book and tell them you heard about it on the Marketing Book Podcast. And if you're one of the legions of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast stuff. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world, and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the late, great Jim Rohn, who said, Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. You know what? I think this is the best show I've ever done. And you know what? I deserve it. Because... I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs>